I mean, it's just got like Linda Hamilton blowing things up and shooting things, which is all I could ever want. And then, I mean, we've got like the other two badass ladies who are also super amazing. We all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges, while the foolish build barriers. You raise walls, I destroy them. Let's see who prevails. Just because something works doesn't mean that it cannot be improved. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Allow my sword to join you in the fight against evil. The world needs us to chase dreams. We have to dedicate ourselves each and every single day to this fight because I can't do it alone. You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines. The power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us all unite! Welcome to At The Movies with Terminator Dark Fate. There is no fate but what we make ourselves. And there could not be any other tagline but that. I'm Alex. I'm Trish. And today we're here to talk about, as I said before, Terminator Dark Fate, um, which is currently out in theaters and it is full of ladies. You you heard it right, people. So um, we're going to dive right in by doing a synopsis, which I think... I volunteered to do because I am on my second glass of wine and this seemed like an amazing idea. (laughs) Despite the fact that this is definitely not torture cinema, I am drinking, so it'll be a fun podcast. So, Terminator Dark Fate starts off with, like, starts off in 1998 with the death of John Connor. I am not counting that as spoiler because it's literally the first two minutes of the movie are another Terminator showing up and blowing John Connor away. And Linda Hamilton being very traumatized by this. And then um, 22 years later, more Terminators appear in Mexico City. And they seem to be after a young woman named Daniela Ramos. We get the the good Terminator, who's not actually a Terminator. She is an augmented human named Grace, who is extremely tall and very cool. She rescues Danny from the the bad Terminator, which is like a combo like of the 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 101 model and the T1000. So it's sort of like really spooky and cool, and I'm sure we'll talk about that more. And then they go on the run to do you know like the normal Terminator movie thing where someone is being chased by a Terminator, and then after their first epic Terminator style car chase. Linda fucking Hamilton shows up and you have all seen this scene in the trailers. And if you haven't seen the trailers, do yourself a favor because everyone needs to see Linda, Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor blowing a Terminator up with um, a rocket propelled grenade. Yeah. Then, then Sarah Connor's in the mix and shit gets real and we're on the run from a Terminator and we got to figure out how to terminate the Terminator. As is the formula for Terminator movies. And I'm not going to go into any further than that because then that's spoiler territory. Yep. That sound about right? Yeah, that uh, certainly covers the non-spoilery part of the movie for the setup. Yep. Excellent. So what we're going to start with now is um, our spoiler-free general impressions. So Trish, you go ahead and go first. I just found it immensely satisfying. It may not be a totally necessary movie, although some of the themes that they redeveloped, I like where they went with them. 
kind of updating the old story in some welcome ways. But it was fun. It was great seeing um, Linda Hamilton again as an action figure, still kicking ass. And I liked the newer people on on the Terminator franchise, too. Yeah, Danny and and, um, and Grace were both really cool. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, yeah, my my, I, I'm pretty much in line with you where I'm like, I'm not sure that this, this, as a sequel it was necessary. Because, I mean, you really cannot beat the end of Terminator 2, where Sarah Connor's just saying, well, the future is a dark highway, and we don't know what it is anymore. But if there had to be a sequel, which, I mean, gosh, people, it's a shame that they never made a Terminator sequel until (laughs) now, isn't it? Well, I did like the TV (laughs) interpretation of what happened after that. I really liked the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I need to watch those. But yeah, um, it's 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 good, you know, that 20 years later or whatever it is, they finally made another Terminator movie. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like this one, it's it's really good. And they do, I felt like they revisited some of the more problematic aspects of the old one that weren't as problematic when it was originally made, what, in the 80s? Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, here's like a new spin on things. And we're kind of politically updating it a little bit. And then the three fucking main characters are women. Yeah. Like, how cool is that? It was... I hadn't really thought about it before going into it, except for until I saw something on Twitter from you, I think. But yeah, it was It was so, um... I mean, I'll just say satisfying again. It really made me happy to see, uh, see this movie. Oh, God. Yeah, like, Linda Hamilton as, as human pack of Marlboro cigarettes, Sarah Connor. <laughs> I mean, just, that is all I could think of every time I saw her, because she looks like (laughs) boiled leather, and I'm not saying this to, like, insult how she looks, but I'm just saying she is, like, Sarah Connor has transformed herself into the definition of, like, the old lady who is too fucking mean to die. That's right. And I love her. I love her so much. Right. It's like goals right there. Hashtag goals. <laughs> I'm sorry that she's in such an unhappy place where she says herself that, you know, when she's not going on missions, she's drinking herself into blackouts. So, Oh my god. Yeah, like at one point she says her, her resume is literally, I kill Terminators and then I drink until I blackout. And you're just like, Sarah, oh, um, you really need like an army of therapists. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she has had an incredibly sucky life, but... Oh my god. It's sad, but uh, things that happen toward the end of the movie make me feel like she's going to have a more positive outlook from now on. And I feel like that is what makes this an actual, like, I'm will, you know, we will acknowledge it as as a Terminator sequel... When other movies that might have claimed that they were Terminator sequels but were not, where they failed was that this movie was was like the finish of Sarah Connor's arc. Yes. And it's really emotionally satisfying. Like, I don't know, I guess the other movies just forgot that that this is Sarah Connor's story. <laughs> and then in this one, it's it's giving her an ending that is satisfying and letting her hand it off, which is amazing. Yes. Okay. And I want to, like, go on more about that, but I can't without spoilers. So I guess at this point, we're going to put up the spoiler wall. We'll table that part of the discussion. (laughs) Yeah, unless you have any other non-spoiler stuff. 
I don't think it's too spoilery since it's not an important plot point, but I liked at the beginning that uh, Danielle has has a job at some kind of car assembly plant where she works there with her brother. And when her brother is about to get laid off and replaced with machines and she's arguing with the factory manager, he's saying something like, yeah, but you're not him. So we know from the start of the movie that she has some drive and some intelligence and is valued to other people, as opposed to the first Terminator movie where Sarah was, you know, she was just a waitress. Yeah, I mean... Not that waitressing isn't good and hard work, but uh, she wasn't socially valued. What I will say is kind of like watching the first Terminator movie. I remember when I first watched it and I was like, oh my god, what, what, Sarah Connor... What, what, why are you such a, a weenie? Which is really unfair because it's not like any of us would have done any better if we were being chased by a killer robot from the future. <laughs> Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, considering what happened to her, uh, she coped at the beginning and then she grew. So I'm not saying at all that waitress Sarah Connor was a bad character. I'm just interested that in this movie, we get the idea that Danielle is also a person with goals and direction. She's a lot more, like, self-actualized. Yeah. Well, and, and I was gonna say, like, y'all, if you have not listened to the, um, the Torture Cinema episode for Children of the Corn, this is your invitation to do so. But having now seen Linda Hamilton in Children of the Corn, which I think is the movie she did right before the first Terminator, I was like, oh god, it could have been so much worse. Like, at least the first Terminator, you're kind of going, oh, okay, you know, like... Yeah, like on an action movie standard, she's kind of a weenie, but you know, she's just like a regular person doing the best she can. And then you watch fucking Children of the Corn, where poor Linda Hamilton gets fucking crucified in a cornfield by a bunch of kids. It's sad. It's just like, whoo. Yep. <laughs> it could have been way worse. All right. On non-spoilery things, one more thing that I will say is that Terminator Dark Fate definitely, um, it continues with the glorious Terminator tradition of really fucking amazing car chase scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, I was very satisfied with all of the action sequences in this movie. I thought they did a really good job. Yes. Yes. Very. Everything felt real, but they didn't drag on the action scenes so long that you felt like, all right, fine. When are we going to get to the plot again? Yeah. And there were there was I want to say there were there was actually one in Terminator 2 where I was a little like, okay, okay, already we're all right, now we're still going, okay. But yeah, this one was really like they did a great job and they did a great job kind of figuring out like what Grace could do as an aug an augmented super soldier. Right. And it's really good. So if you liked the Terminator movies and you like action movies and you want to see ladies being really fucking cool, watch this movie. Yep, that pretty much sums it up. All right, shall we put the spoiler wall up? Let's do it. All right, this is the spoiler wall. If you don't want to be spoiled for this Terminator movie, go watch it first. You should go watch it first anyway. Indeed. <laughs> All right, so spoilers. So... Linda Hamilton, uh, sorry, Sarah Connor. They're just basically the same person. Who are we kidding? <laughs> Sarah Connor's emotional arc in this film. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So, all right, this is the part that we did not say because it is kind of, like, spoilery. So, of course, the movie starts out with Sarah Connor seeing John get fucking murdered by another uh, T-1000. 
101 Cyberdyne systems, whatever. You know, like Arnold shows up and fucking murders him. And I don't know. I there have been people whining about like the de-aging CGI, and I thought it was just fine. And I've am normally like the first person to be like, Woo, uncanny valley, I'm never going near that. Burn it. I had no problem with it primarily because it was so quick. Oh, it was very quick. You know, it was like less than a minute of screen time, I think. Certainly not more than a minute. Oh, and then and there was less interaction. Like, it was not like creepy CGI Peter Cushing in Rebel One. Like, right, right. John didn't even have any lines. Yeah, so we just saw him getting a smoothie or something. Yeah, I, I think there was at one point where he was like trying to talk Spanish to a girl or something, but whatever. I mean, it was so like that, you know, I honestly was like, oh yeah, it totally looks like, you know, this is John Connor and Sarah Connor and this is Arnold as young Arnold. And, um, so anyway, the Terminator shows up, fucking kills John in front of Sarah. And as you can imagine, Sarah does not deal with this well. And so when we get to the part of the movie where it's Grace and Danny and Grace is trying to save Danny, Sarah's first reaction is, I care about Danny because Danny is me. Yes. Because she makes this assumption that the Rev-9, which is the new Terminator, and and I've got some thoughts about that, but, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But the new Terminator is after Danny... Sarah assumes because Danny's going to have a kid and it's going to be like John 2.0 because now it's not Skynet. She stopped Skynet. Skynet is totally down. But now there's Legion, which there's this amazing line where it's like, oh, now it's Legion. And Sarah's just like, these assholes never learn. (laughs) (laughs) But so she's like, oh, so, you know, fine. Danny is the new Mother Mary. And you can tell like Sarah's got some weird conflicting stuff about that probably because her role as sort of like mother of the savior of humanity has been like so fucked up and wound up in her psyche. And now it's being- Right. It's when she starts to give her own bio to um, Danielle and Grace, she says, I'm Sarah Connor. And then just kind of pauses with the weight of all that. But they don't recognize, you know, not even Grace the soldier from the future recognizes her because she's not the protagonist of, you know, she's not the mother of the hero of the future anymore. Yeah, because John is dead, so... I thought they did that really well, just the, the weight and anguish of saying who she is and then the very short summary of what she does. Yeah, and, and it's like this thing where... You can feel like there is some resentment in her almost where it's like the only reason she's important is because what of what came out of her vagina, basically. Yeah. And then she crafted it into something more important by being like, I will keep John alive so he can fulfill his destiny. Right. But really, the way they changed future was because, I mean, the first loop, John was the hero, apparently. But the second loop, she and John stopped Skynet at the beginning by getting rid of the chip and stuff so so that um she was already undervaluing herself because that wasn't just John who did that 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 was her and her little team that she put together mhm and i i think it is this weird thing where she like knows that she's this the super badass but yeah she's always like kind of psychologically been second fiddle to John because it's always been about like well you're John's mother you're or you know the only reason you're important is because of John and then when John gets killed, she just, she suddenly doesn't have really a purpose anymore because, you know, John is no longer there to be the savior of humanity, even though they obviously already stopped Judgment Day because it's 1998 when he dies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like that fucks her up. And then, I mean, there's the cool, like, 
with Carl, but we'll, we'll kind of skip over th- that for now because first she's kind of got this weird thing where she's like, okay, Danny is me in this situation where she's going to be the mother of the savior. And you can feel her trying to figure out how to like connect with Danny on that level and prepare her for how badly that fucks you up mm-hmm. where like that is your only reason for existence and your only importance and then suddenly what we actually find out and and i actually went and i saw the movie again today so so it it actually makes some of how grace reacts to sarah make more sense kind of on the lead up where sarah's like oh you know you're the mother of the savior or whatever you're your womb blah 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 and you can tell grace is just like oh shut the fuck up you don't know anything right not knowing what was happening when i saw that scene i was like Come on, really? Is that really what they're doing again here? Well, and and that's exactly how I felt about it, too. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, great. The woman is only important because she's going to, like, pop a man out. (laughs) But then what you find out, like, at this really intense moment is Grace is like, I'm really sorry I didn't tell you this before because I didn't think you could handle it. But you're not the mother of the savior of humanity. You are the savior of humanity. And I was just like, oh my god, the the savior of humanity in this new timeline is a Latina. (laughs) (laughs) Right. She's not the mother of the the hero. She is the mother of the future, uh, uh, as in, you know, a more generic, you know, mother of all things. (laughs) Yeah. Or, Or like even stepping her back from that role of mother. What Grace says is, you're not the mother, you are the future. Yeah, that was a really good line. And I was just like, oh God, I got chills. Yeah. And and in that moment, you know, like, it's obviously this really intense moment for, like, Grace and Danny, because Danny's being like, oh shit, like, <laughs> what? But the scene almost refocuses on Sarah, because Sarah actually is like, you're not me, you're John. And in that moment, the movie is like, okay, Sarah, you couldn't save John, but here is your second chance. Right. And it feels in a way even more profound and amazing because it's no longer about a mother defending her son. It's about, you know, Sarah being like, okay, I'm still not, you know, me personally, I'm not the savior of humanity, but I now have a second chance to do what I decided my purpose in life was and make sure that the savior of humanity lives to do her job. (sighs) Just Yeah. My heart. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Inside. (laughs) Oh, God, it was so good. I'm sorry to say that there weren't that many people in the theater. Uh, It was a pretty quiet, I went on a Sunday afternoon, and there just weren't a lot of people there. So I'm sorry that it's not doing well financially. Yeah. I mean, that was honestly why I was like, no, I really want to do this podcast because... I, I don't know. There there are some people that the movie is not working for, and that's totally fine. It's super valid, but I just... Like, the emotional story that Sarah Connor gets in this movie is just so good. And it is everything that Sarah Connor deserved. And I'm getting, like, a little choked up about it. Right. I, I, I just think it's great how the character of Sarah Connor was respected and given space. And the way that her character was reflected off of Danny's, so they get, you get more perspective on it. I just think they did really a great... This wasn't just an action movie. There, It had some important things to say about people and, well, destiny. It's always had things to say about destiny. But, you know, it was not just an action movie by any means. Yeah, I mean, Terminator's always been very concerned about the idea of, of fate. Because 
it is nothing but a franchise composed of bullshit time loops. Right? And, I mean, I will say, like, you know, as, as you chose the tagline was, there is no fate but what we make for ourselves. And in Terminator Dark Fate, the person who says that is not actually Sarah. It's Grace. Right. Who says it to Danny as something that Danny told her. And so you get this weird chain where you're like, okay, Grace says this to Danny, but that's something that Sarah said all the fucking way back before Terminator 2, because apparently that was something she told John. That was really great. And just while we're on that topic of things that were redone from the earlier movies the whole speech about sarah was telling danny you can't take stupid risks for yourself you know you have to be careful we protect you you can't you can't take these dumb risks and and try to save other people right that whole thing i think was really close to word for word i haven't gone back and checked if it is but the speech that sarah gives john when uh, after right after they've escaped from the asylum pretty much close to it so i really liked the echoes <laughs> i think you're right well and and i think Kind of what what also makes that a little poignant is both times when, when Sarah makes that speech to the person she's trying to protect, even though I think at that point she doesn't realize that Danny has basically taken over John Connor's role, is that the thing that that makes that would have made John Connor special if the Skynet future had happened. And then what great when Grace tells us about Danny, what makes Danny so special is that when you tell them, well, you can only think of yourself because you have this important role, their reaction is, fuck that, because I care about people. And and that caring about people is what makes them like that savior figure. Right. They wouldn't be the leaders they were, uh, or the leaders they become, if they didn't care about people. Mm-hmm. So it's just always that that weird, loopy irony of like... You know, oh, you can't care about people. But no, caring about people is actually what is going to enable you to to beat back the machines and save humanity. <laughs> Ugh. Like, d- did anyone think they were going to get, like, you know, a philosophical treatise on the Terminator tonight? <laughs> well, um, speaking of philosophies, I think it really had some interesting... T- things to say about the great man theory of history because first john connor was the hero of the revolution and the the uh, ais sent back a terminator because they were scared of this great man uh but he died and the battle goes on in the future and but guess what another hero arises and this time it's it's a latina woman and so you know maybe the robots are wrong about there being great people leading the cause maybe it's just that there are revolutions opposed to them and leaders will arise whatever the circumstances someone will lead someone will come forth oh that that's an interesting thought where if it's like you know are the robots going okay i have to go kill this one human because this one human is really making my life difficult and so the humans are like oh we have to like this this human is now our precious football that we have to get to the end zone, <laughs> you know, so they can they can lead the revolution in twenty or thirty years or whatever. Right. The humans are assuming that the robots are right about the great man theory of history. Yeah, but maybe it's just humanity. Yeah, humanity. Yeah. So maybe it really is like if so. If Danny got killed, then 
the future would sort of re-scramble and it would just be someone else. Right. And then we'd be doing this again with different people. That's what I'm th- thinking. That's really interesting. Because that, that does really, you know, trouble the sort of savior, you know, John Connor is, Connor is savior, savior, Danny is savior thing where mm-hmm. it's like the person might not necessarily matter. It's just everyone's assuming they do, that it does. Hmm. I mean, you know, some people are definitely smarter than others and better leaders than others. Uh, no question about that. I'm just saying maybe it's not the one savior of humanity. Maybe like Buffy, there are many potential Buffies. I mean... Many potential Slayers. The fact that when John Connor gets fucking killed, then we get Danny does kind of support your view on that one, I would think. I like to think so. <laughs> Because it's like, oh, well, John's dead. I guess someone else, you know, a new hero will rise. Though I was trying to, to figure out, like, you know, when, when Grace kind of has her flashback, her flashback to the future, where she's on, like, the troop transport and they're getting the commander, mm-hmm. like, trying to get that person into the base. And they've obviously been wounded. Is that Commander Danny or is it someone else? I thought it was a man in that thing, in, in the, uh, whatever it was, carry compartment in the helicopter. I don't- Oh, maybe. No. You know, we didn't really get a good look at the person ever. Yeah. It was basically Danny's football. I mean, uh, sorry, Grace's football. <laughs> yeah, because that, that was just, they always had, like, a mask. Yeah, they, it was the football that Grace needed to run in and get, like, horribly stabbed so she could be like, I want to be an enhanced super soldier and get sent into the past. Like- <laughs> I just, I got it. Okay, so the Rev-9, I I, want to mention about the Rev-9 as like the new version of the evil Terminator where it's like a combo T-1000 and T-101 where Mm -hmm. it has like a regular exoskeleton that is not quite as beefy as like the T-101 exoskeletons that we see. And then it has sort of a, a living metal component. So... I mean, they did some really cool shit with it where, like, the 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 Rev-9 skin will, like, sort of separate from the endoskeleton and they'll both be kind of, like, doing different things. Right. That seemed to be the primary advantage of this new creation is that now it can double team its target. Yeah. Though, was it me or I felt like there was definitely a significant decrease in performance when it was separated like that. Like it did some kind of dumb stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, maybe it's like, oh, I can be two separate entities, but ooh, that requires a lot more processing power. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it did usually reconnect as quickly as it could. Yeah, I, I so I kind of had a feeling like, oh, you know, it, it can be like, I will leave my, my endoskeleton behind and it will sort of pilot the helicopter in a straight line. But if it has to do anything high performance, we're, we're kind of in some trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. Like, it was fucking creepy. And I thought the T-1000 was super creepy. Mm-hmm. But this one, ooh, I mean, they were like, oh, we're gonna, you know, sort of like, you know, why not combine the two? It's. We get, we're going to get chocolate in my peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, in T2, it was super duper creepy because we hadn't seen the concept before of the liquid metal. And, you know, it was really terrifying. In this one, we kind of knew what was going on, even though this was a new iteration. So it wasn't so much a 
scary, horrifying thing as just the plot that we had to get around. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say I went and saw this both times at the Alamo Draft House, and they had they always do like a little pre-show thing that's not advertisements. And this, it was sort of like what you need to know about Terminator and Terminator 2, because those are the only movies we're going to acknowledge. And they actually had like a section in there just about the T-1000 as sort of special effects that were came up in the 90s that still really hold up today. Like, if if you go and watch the T-1000 special effects, they actually still look pretty good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've rewatched uh, Terminator several times in, in the years, and uh, T2 also. You know, that's that's one of the movies that, if I'm flipping around channels and uh, come on that, I will happily stop and watch that movie. Uh, Heck yeah. <laughs> you know? So, it's it's it holds up really well, those two movies. I wonder if it's because, you know, I, I know that James Cameron, like the T-1000, they did actually use CGI for, but he tended to use a lot of practical effects. Mm -hmm. Though, I, I mean, I also will say, like, the very, so the way the movie opens, actually, before we get to see John Connor get, like, fucking killed, or it's somewhere in there. So, like, the movie starts out and they actually replay part of the video of Sarah Connor in the Insane Asylum talking about Judgment Day, which is just... Which I think is the way that every Terminator movie should open. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, it's intense. Like it just starts out, and you're like, "Ooh, okay, we're we're starting out real intense here." <laughs> but then you get like this, you know, the sort of typical kind of Terminator open, where you know you see a beach, and then you see you think there's like shells on it, but then you realize it's skulls, and then you get like the sort of Terminator endoskeletons walking out of the water. Right. And while later on, like in some of the scenes, like where there's the kind of like, you know, the troop transport and all that that Grace is on, you, you the technology starts to look really kind of different from what we saw in the T2 future. Mm -hmm. That opening shot where Sarah Connor's talking about it, it felt like going right back into Terminator 2. Yeah, I think they did a really good job of just, you know, refreshing our memories on some of those notes without trying to retell the whole story again. I think probably there aren't too many people who are going to see this movie who haven't seen the first two. Yeah. And so you really didn't need a lot of recapping, and I thought they hit the right note of how much, here's what happened, okay, let's go. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think some of it was, was sort of like touching on the nostalgia stuff, because there's definitely a lot of callbacks that you can tell they kind of put in the movie just because it was like, hey guys, you know, here here's like reaching back to Terminator 2. Here's the nostalgia moment of it. Like, I mean, Sarah Connor getting to say I'll be back, which was hilarious. <laughs> And, I mean, the entire presence of Arnold in this movie. Yeah, I'm glad that they brought him back for the movie. Uh, he gave, just having Sarah would have been fine, but I thought that he rounded it out nicely. And having the different Carl <laughs> persona, rather than... Yes, Carl! Rather than what we had in T2, I, I was very interested by the fact that with no mission, with ha having concluded his mission, or its mission, the Terminator decided to just blend in with humanity, and it got infected with human interests and motivations, and 
not caring like a human would, maybe, but obviously putting value in his his wife or whatever and adopted son. So, so yeah, I was I was rather interested in how they did that. Yeah, I, I thought I really like that just because you see those little hints of, you know, like Grace saying, so you grew a conscience. And he was like, yeah, something like that. Right. Or Danny asking him, oh, do you love them? And him going, not like a human can. But I used to think that was a strength. And now I know that it's not. Yeah. Yeah, that was really, really nice. I mean, it also gave us the fucking best scene in the entire movie which was him talking about drapes yeah <laughs> it does make me a little wonder about you know in the interim how what made him what made uh, this t101 settle on drapes as the way in which it was going to support itself and its new family was that just right <laughs> what led to that happening why you know how did he learn that Little girls should have balloons and butterflies for their for their draperies instead of solid colors, you know? Yeah. And he's just like, I said, no, you cannot do it. She must have balloons. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and, and, and Carl seemed to feel strongly about that. Yeah, he had some fucking opinion. It wasn't just these are the rules for draperies. It was, yeah, that parent was making a wrong moral choice. <laughs> I really loved that. And I mean, I also, honestly, I really liked the thing where Sarah Connor was like, oh, your wife hasn't noticed you weigh like 400 pounds. And he's like, ours is not a physical relationship. <laughs> she she appreciated that I could change diapers efficiently and without complaints. <laughs> Indeed. Those are valuable qualities. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, you could do a lot worse than that. <laughs> so I, I am trying to figure out is the character the the military guy character major is it major dean who's the the guy that brings just the major the major who provides the emp case yeah is he like from a earlier terminator movie or is he just like you know a random npc that sarah connor made up because she needed a guy who could bring her an emp that would get blown up by the t the rev nine um well we saw in t2 that sarah really liked making a lot of connections with a lot of people who could be valuable but we also know that she went on a lot of missions uh to kill robots and it's possible that she met up with this major during one of those, because he seemed to know something about what was going on. He was not surprised by what was going on. And, you know, I think his original plan was to drop off the suitcase and go. But when he ended up being on them on the mission with them, he wasn't really surprised by things that were happening. So I think it's possible that she met him on one of her interval Terminator killings. Mm, maybe that's it. Because it's like, I f the way he he appeared is i kept feeling like he must be someone who was some way tied into like t2 but i haven't been able to find anything like that so i guess he's just like a dude she knows which is okay who knows so kind of what what did you think about the the portions of the movie that involved like the U.S.-Mexico border and, like, the bo the Border Patrol. 
Um, <clears throat> I, I think that they were important to be included as an update because in T2, Linda Hamilton apparently has just been traveling very freely wherever she wants to. Uh, and we really don't live in a world where that would make sense anymore. They are caught by the Border Patrol after the uh, Terminator hacks the system and, and tracks them down. But, uh, you know, I don't think there wasn't much politics in it other than this is there and this exists now. They could have made the Border Patrol guards nasty or mean, and they didn't. The board guard telling uh telling Danny to, you know, save it for your hearing or whatever. That that made sense, really. I mean <laughs> if you don't know you're in a Terminator movie, you're just going to blow off this crazy story. Uh they didn't show kids in cages. They showed adults in cages. Um I was okay with how they did that and I do think they did need to address it. Yeah, I mean I think I don't know. I, I could have almost hoped that they'd gotten a little more nitty gritty about it, but there was kind of a thing um, in Terminator 2 when, uh, you know, remember that the T-1000 spent a lot of time being um, an LAPD cop? Right, I remember that. Um, people in the theater laughed ironically when they saw the him get out of the car with the car door that said, to protect and serve. Yeah, and that was also, I think... T2 came out around the same time as as the Rodney King stuff. So, like, James Cameron sort of traced his idea of making the T-1000 spend a lot of time looking like a cop as sort of a, a commentary on dehumanization and the way we socially dehumanize others. Mm -hmm. You know, particularly when you're talking more of kind of like a police state... And, and, you know, that's still relevant commentary today, very much so. But the sort of choice of going from the, the Terminator, the, the shape-changing Terminator, spending his time as, as being an LAPD cop to being dressed in a Customs and Border Patrol uniform, I mean, to me that feels like it really sort of continues on with that theme, particularly because they do go into the, you know, they do have a, a detention facility where they're just sort of putting people in sort of cage-like things, and it's, you know, very dehumanizing, and, you know, they're not really that interested in Danny as an individual. She's just, like, one more, you know, person that they're putting in this enclosure. Right. So, I mean, I feel particularly in the current environment they could have been more pointed about things, but I also felt like it went to a place a lot of movies still aren't willing to go. Yeah, um, I mean, it acknowledged the situation without really opining about it, and I can understand why they didn't want to enlarge their arena of themes in this movie. Mm. And then, I mean, there's also the stuff about, like, uh, the drones patrolling the border. Yeah, I think they really showed it was more pointed with how they used the surveillance state and how that was easily hijacked by a malevolent player uh, against our protagonists. Yeah, where it's sort of like, I don't know, I, I still think it's, even with the surveillance state, it's still kind of part and parcel of the irony of protect and serve, to where it's like, 
what's being protected and what's being served when, you know, hostile interests can so easily take control of this surveillance state that has been built. Right. It's allegedly for our protection. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, is part and parcel of the Terminator theme of like, oh, Skynet, it was built for defense, blah, 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 and then it blew us all up with nuclear weapons, and then Legion, it was a military AI. <laughs> yeah, so uh, definitely it would have been, if if they hadn't used surveillance state in the movie, it would have felt really, really lacking to not a failure to update to the current day. Oh yeah, I mean it felt it would have felt like they were still like trying to do a movie in the 90s. And I mean, mm-hmm. like I also did really appreciate that you know, because the border is there and Danny's Latina and she's got her whole family and everything and there is particularly at the beginning of the movie a lot of dialogue in Spanish. You know, that was definitely some some opportunities for some non-white actors to get some screen time in. <laughs> right, right. And um, apparently she's she's fluent in English because uh, she's helping her brother, uh, Diego, who wanted to be the next teen star, cross-border teen star. Uh, and uh, yes. that was cute and sweet and, as it turns out, sad. <laughs> Super sad. I feel like, you know, justice for Diego. He was, <laughs> what a good, he deserved better. He was a good brother. And I I do, one thing that I was just thinking about is, I do also think that it does feel really emotionally resonant that I think it's Danny, I I, want to say it's one of Danny's major final lines when she's killing the Rev-9. She delivers in Spanish when she's like, you took everything from me and I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Righteous. All right, was was there anything else you wanted to yell about? That's pretty much it. Yeah, I I think we've hit all the high points. I mean, I, I do want to give, just in case we haven't emphasized this enough, one final shout out to, oh my god, the three main characters in this film. Because yes, Carl does drapes. Yeah. And, and we cannot... We cannot ignore his contributions to the final fight scene, but the three main characters in this movie are all women. It's it's amazing. It's women fighting for each other. Yeah, and I like there are three strong women, and they're strong in slightly different ways. They're not all the same angry fighting woman. They're you know they all they have different focuses, different strengths, uh, different personalities, and I really liked that too. Yeah, because I feel like. You know, Danny, you can see her becoming sort of more of the, the competent shoot 'em up character toward the end, but her her definite like her superpower has is never about shooting things. It's always about caring about other people and motivating them and oh my god, like the final scene between her and Grace, I was just like, I'm gonna cry. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> ah, my heart! Yes. Just breaking! Yeah, that was just amazing. Yeah, it, it's, and, and I mean, I think it says really amazing things about the lady who plays Danny that you find it so believable that someone would be like, all right, I'm gonna be, you know, go through all this shit to become an enhanced super soldier, go back to the past and sacrifice my life for you and will not regret any second of it because you're fucking amazing. <laughs> 
Right. Uh, so that was Natalia Reyes. Yes. And uh, also, of course, uh, props, big props to Mackenzie Davis, who played Grace. Yes. Mackenzie Davis was great. And I... I will definitely look for her movies in the future. I mean, her co her co-star is Mackenzie Davis's right arm and Mackenzie Davis's left arm. I'm just saying, guys, if you are straight going into this movie, you will not be straight coming out of it. <laughs> just warning you right there. <laughs> all right, so I think that is all I wanted to just scream about as well. So let's have our final thoughts and grades. Go ahead and go, Trish. Um, final thoughts, uh, very, an, an incredibly satisfying summary to the Terminator movies. Um, I kind of hope there aren't any more, but if they do something else along these lines, I would certainly go see it too. And my grade, A. Nice. I'm wavering between A and A+, plus, but I'll say A. I, I I think we're going to find that we agree. So my final thoughts is, oh, my God, the ladies. I mean, just just oh, it was it was good. And just it, it totally gives Sarah Connor's emotional arc like some good closure. And it sort of backtracks and apologizes to us for making the first two movies all about what's going on with Sarah Connor's vagina. And... <laughs> I mean, it's just got, like, Linda Hamilton blowing things up and shooting things, which is all I could ever want. And then, I mean, we've got, like, the other two badass ladies who are also super amazing. So, I mean, I love the movie. I watched it at a sneak preview, and then I watched it a second time, and I loved it just as much the second time. <laughs> so, I am also going to give it an A. So, hey, it's an A. It was easy to average. Yay! <laughs> So, it is an A movie, guys. Go see it. See the cool ladies. Yes. And listen to Carl's amazing thing about Dre. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then I will say, and thank you listeners for joining us for our discussion of Terminator Dark Fate. If you would like to drop us a line, you can do so through email at skiffyandfanty at gmail.com or on Twitter at skiffyandfanty. Don't forget we have awesome book reviews at skiffyandfanty.com and fun booktube videos at youtube.com slash skiffyandfanty. If you don't want to miss anything we do in all the places we do things, sign up for our newsletter at skiffyandfanty.com slash newsletter. Finally, if you like what we do, please support us at patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I'm not Sean. I have never been Sean. And so I'm gonna say, you're welcome, citizens. You're welcome. Talk to you later. If you would like to support this show, you can go to patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty or find us on Twitter at skiffyandfanty, our webpage skiffyandfanty.com, or you can even send us an email at skiffyandfanty at gmail.com. The intro music for this podcast was taken from Rock Thing by Creo. You can find out more about their music on freemusicarchive.org.